Did you know that 65% of marketing leaders in APAC view ABM as a crucial part of their marketing spend? And that the emergence of generative AI is transforming the marketing landscape? Want to learn more marketing insights? Well, download the 2023 State of Account-Based Marketing in APAC report with the link in the pod description. You'll have valuable data points and key takeaways all at your fingertips after the single click of the download button. Get your copy now and find out how you can transform your ABM game today. What's up marketers, it's Liza from Xgrowth, here to wish you a happy holiday season. We'll be back in the new year with more amazing guests. But for now, we'll be rebroadcasting some of our favorite episodes. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to Mark McInnes, outbound sales trainer and founder of Sales Development Australia. Mark has a wealth of experience when it comes to building sales development teams and managing them efficiently and has helped many organizations across Australia and New Zealand do exactly that. I'm excited for us to sit down and chat about how to build a sales development sequence. We will talk about calls, we'll talk about emails, LinkedIn, direct mail, and how to leverage them in your sequence so you can grab the attention of your prospects. On that note, let's dive in. Mark, thanks for joining us. Shaheen, thank you very much for having me back on the Growth Colony podcast. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thank you. It is great to have you back. I had tons of fun last time when uh, when you were on, and I think this is a this is also a very topical. It's an area that I think a lot of organizations are expanding in building that sales development team within the organization. So I think it's very relevant. You're in a very hot area, so super excited for this chat. Thank you very much. Look, it is. It's it's um it's an exciting space as long as you like it. If you don't like it, it can be a painful space. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of. You know, there's a lot of people that are trying things that aren't being very successful. There's a whole bunch of really poor advice out there as well. So I'm really pleased to come on to your show and share what I see that's working, what my team's doing and, and what my clients are doing. So yeah, cool. So let's talk about that because I think a lot of the content and examples when it comes to building these sequences, managing SDRs, working with SDRs, a lot of it comes from the the, the big kind of sales engagement platform or CRM platforms. What are your thoughts on these platforms being the source of truth or kind of source of reference for people who are, again, building these sequences, managing SDRs. What are your thoughts on on, on these resources? Okay, so we're talking about the, uh, uh, yeah, okay. So the, the platforms themselves, let's put them aside. Let's talk about, you know, what they're suggesting people should do, right? So, we, you know, what are the sequences? So we all have seen some of the great platforms that are out there, you know, HubSpot, you know, Outreach, SalesLoft, there's a whole bunch of them. And I just use them as an examples. I'm not calling them out specifically. But, you know, they release tools like, you know, hey, this is the cadence that's the best, B2, the number one performing B2B cadence, for example, right? Um, what do I think of those? Well, let me try and make it very clear. I think they're fake news. I think in a lot of cases, they're deceptive, they're misleading, they're ineffective, they're probably fraudulent, they're poorly written and poorly presented. How, is that clear? 
That's, I think you've, uh, you drove the message home pretty clearly. I think uh, it's a little confused. So you're saying they're not good? Is that what, is that what I'm hearing? Okay, so, so let's just take a step back. So what do these companies, what are they trying to achieve when they release these pieces of documentation? Right, so you're a, you're a marketer, your listeners are marketers, right? So if, if we've created a, a piece of content, what is it that these platforms are trying to do? They're trying to sell their platforms, right? So they're trying to get people to click on the download, put their email address in, and then be contacted. What are the chances that, it's, that the content that you're getting is actually the best B2B cadence? I'd say it's very low. If, if you were to look at who's written that cadence in that article, in a lot of cases, it's come from the marketing department of that particular engagement platform. And the, the goal for that platform is simply to try and get as many, as many downloads as possible. Right, so that's like so that's their goal, and so you have to think about how can this B two B cadence be the most effective, right, or whatever it is, you know, the the number one B two B cadence or the most effective cadence or whatever they're using to get you to click on it. So if you have a think about that, like the buying personas and the geographical areas and the communication challenges that we've got across different platforms, across different industries, across different geographical locations is so varied, there cannot possibly be one that is the best. And, and you know, this whole, you know, you do 18 touches across 27 days is just rubbish. Like when, when you put that into practice, it doesn't work. And, and so that means, that means that we're spamming people unnecessarily under the pretense of selling a piece of software. So I th- so that's why I'm, I've used those words up front. Right? It's because getting people to download and then <laughs> implement that cadence, you're just setting up a whole bunch of marketers to spend a lot of time writing outreach that's going to be ineffective. And then the poor old SDRs and salespeople that are supposed to ex- execute the 18 touches across 27 days, I mean, you're setting them up for failure. Sure. Maybe you'll get their email. If you're the, the software provider, you'll get their someone, you know, marketing manager or sales leader's email and you, can, and you can pitch them and that's what they want. But the downstream effect of that is that there's a whole bunch of people doing ineffective outreach. And if you go one step further, you know, there's a couple of thousand prospects that are in that damn cadence. <laughs> How do you think they feel? Uh, did anyone think about that when they, when they thought about that as a lead magnet? So I'm not, I'm not very, I don't think that's a great, great way to go to market. Okay, got it. What, why, why do you think, why do you think, I mean, by the way, this, this uh, is a very interesting topic because this also happens in our space, in the ABM space, where you're, you're right, it's, it's the marketers of the ABM companies writing the content and they're not necessarily practitioners and their job is, their job is not to run effective ABM campaigns or effective sales development entities and but their objective is to get those mqls you know hit those mql numbers and baby we're good to go why do you think marketers and sales leaders persist with these sequences like why do you think they we constantly keep going back to them even though they might not be very efficient they might not work very well what 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 are your thoughts on that well i think i think people do that because the alternative is hard, and there's a, for two reasons. The alternative is really hard, and, and the lack of information about what they should really be doing. And and what I mean by that is, you know, the alternative. What's the alternative? Is, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean by alternative? So, so the alternative is 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 to really break. So, so why do sales and engagement platforms? Why are they successful? Because they're promising increased activity, right? So the what's what's the problem that they have? Not enough leads, not enough meetings, right? And and what's the solution to that? 
Okay, you've got two. You could get if if your if Mark is my SDR, right, and Mark's not creating enough leads, I've got two options. I could automate his as much of his activity as possible to get that activity up, right? Or I could coach him and train him individually and, and focus on a quantity play. By, pu- by putting in a sales engagement tool or a CRM or any, an or using automation, and that's what all these tools are, okay, then I can dictate a hundred, for example, pieces of outreach for Mark to do every day and basically just create a level of overwhelm, you know, but, but have him operating at a high rhythm that's programmed by the sales op, sales engagement, sales enabler, sales leader, and probably the marketing function as well. Um, but the downside of that, of course, is what? The quality. So the other side of that means that, okay, if that's not you're going to be your approach, then you have to increase the level of quality of outreach. And you can't lift that across the company in a single piece of tech where you can lift the quantity in a single piece of tech. So, so that's what I mean by, you know, the lazy or the easy approach, right? It's much easier for me to go and get a piece of tech for a thousand bucks a month or however much and, and implement that across the entire sales team and lift everyone's quality, a quanti- sorry, lift everyone's quantity. And if we're getting a 2% response rate from a hundred emails, then, you know, we're going to hope that we're going to get a 2% response rate from a thousand emails, right? That's the easiest, the easiest way for sales leaders and marketers to increase their lead flow. And that's what we've been focused on. I believe we are at the end of that right now. So tell me, tell me what, what, how do you approach it? Well, well, quality. You have to play the quality play, right? So in, instead of going for, you know, 100 phone calls or 50 emails or whatever else, you know, you approach each sales SDR individually, give them the tools, the training and the resources to focus on making 27 phone calls and, and measuring things like conversations instead of responses you know so if you can get somebody to have you know six ten conversations a day off 27 dials for example rather than six conversations off 100 dials which one sounds like it's more attractive the first one right but there's a lot of work to do in order for you to get there or you can just automate it and, and try and get your your six conversations off 100 dials or 100 emails or whatever that input is right 100 linkedin messages or whatever the whatever the case may be the channel is almost irrelevant at this point are you su- are you suggesting that they're you know, like these sales engagement platforms, you do you use them when you are kind of talking to people or, you know, you think there is still a room for them? What are, you, what are your thoughts on, on the platforms themselves? Uh, so, no, I, I, I don't, we don't use them because the, uh, at all. So, so the, the ability to automate something that will land flat, you know, that uh, is, what am I trying to say? It's, it's too, appetizing you know like it's it's too easy to automate something and as soon as you start automating something it breaks down instead we spend all of our time on the front end building out list quality and then manually do the activity so you know how many meetings can somebody book a day right so if you're talking about sdr right so we find that we can get our team booking up to eight meetings a day right using manual outreach depending on the campaign Jeez, eight meetings a day. Eight meetings a day. Like, so, you know, and, you know, okay, that's an unusual day. You know, my team would probably, one person in our team would have one of those days a week. You know, on the whole, people are booking multiple meetings multiple times a day based on what campaign they're working on, who the ICP is and, and all, that, all, all that sort of stuff. But you, you simply don't need to do, the, to do automation if you, if you set it up right in the first place. And my guess is you're going to say, well, how do you do that? Or what, what should we be doing, right? Yeah, so uh, because I, I like for us to maybe define quality, right? Like, is this 
writing bespoke emails for every persona? Is it, you know, 100% personalization? Is it, you know, what are you like, what is, what is your definition of quality? Okay, so we're doing templated emails that people send manually, right? So they, they go into our CRM and, and there's a templated emails and they just click them and send them, right? And they might they might change the PS or they might they might change a little bit of the context in the first first preview line, but it's pretty much generic, okay? So so they're not spending hours doing personalization, but where the work comes from, and this is this is one of the reasons why we're leaving we're we're leaning on the sales engagement platform so much is because we do all the work as sales leaders up front before we give our SDRs the information. What happens in most organizations? People download, you know, that the cadence platform that we talked about, right? So they download that and then they go into a funnel, right? So then whoever that software tech, so big tech then turns around to the SDR team and go, hey, SDRs, here's 5,000 people that downloaded that awesome cadence, B2B cadence, you know, here's their email address, their phone numbers and their titles. These are warm leads, go and hit them. We actually go, we go many steps further than that. So first thing we would do is we would divide them into ICPs, very, very narrow, Okay, and, and then we'd figure out what's the best way for each one of those ICPs? How are they going to communicate? What channels are they likely to respond to? So, you know, sales leaders, for example, are more likely to pick up their phone. CEOs of smaller business or people in smaller businesses, less than, you know, 50 mil here in Australia, are going to be much more likely to pick up either their mobile phone or, or you'll be able to get through them through them via their front office number. Um, whereas larger organizations are going to be significantly harder and you're going to need to warm them up a little bit beforehand. Before that, we then take that data and we'd pre-call all those numbers to figure out who was going to pick up their mobile number or who was going to pick up their direct line and who wasn't. And we do that before we give it to the SDR team. So instead of having the SDR team making calls to 100 numbers who and they don't know who's going to pick up or, or the chance of them picking up or not, instead we give them 30 names and say, Mark, here's 30 names. We know that everybody on this list has picked up when we've called them between one and four times. So if you call them between one and four times, you've got to have a conversation with them. So that completely flips the mindset of the SDR, right? So they're not dialing with Facebook open because they they know that they've got like a 30% chance of the, of the pickup. So they're dialing with their script open, right? So we do 45 minute call blocks, you know, and they're all standing up behind their desk, ready to go with a smile on their face. And they've, you know, they've all had a quick conversation beforehand in our Google Meets about what the most likely objections are gonna be. What are the talking points for this ICP? You know, what, what's our next, our ne- four most popular next steps? You know, send me something, call me back. You know, we, we role play that, we have a quick chat, bang, go make 45 minutes worth of calls. We have a, a chat going, everyone's going, got you know, just spoke, to, just spoke to Mark, just spoke to Trevor, just spoke to Mary, great conversation. And we're, we're you know, everyone's giving a high five on you know an emoji high five every time somebody gets a, a conversation and then at the end of that 45 minutes we go how many calls you make how many conversations do you have what do we learn great go back do your next steps uh, and then we'll come back an hour later and do another 45 minute calling block for example and as a result we get really good results but that's because we've done the work beforehand and we haven't just stripped off a heap of data and then sent it to the SDRs to clean up so that's what I mean by, like, you've got to do the work before the work. There's a great guy, and, and I, anyone that's listening should really be following him or buy his books, Phil M. Jones. He's a really clever speaker out of the UK. I'm a big fan. He's written a couple of books, exactly what to say, exactly how, how to sell, that sort of thing. But they're the names of his books. But he says, you've got to do the work before the work before the work, right? And he's saying, you've got to do the planning and the preparation, then the rehearsal, then start selling. And I just love that. And I think too many people are missing the work before the work and they're just trying to do the work. And so we rely on the automation 
to try and make up for that lack of effort. And of course, what happens is you get an email that's not relevant. So you press delete or spam. Just listening to this, there's a lot of pre-work that you go through. And I feel like a lot of people will be listening to this and they're like, what? You like you call the numbers to figure out who picks up and you like you go through all that effort before the sales team starts dialing. Mind blown. Just crazy um, amount of work. Well, what's your most valuable resource? Right. Well, you started this by saying SDR sales development is hot topic. Like, so if your yeah, most valuable resource time. Is, is that it, it's the most valuable resource is the people to do the do the work, the good trained people, then treat them with that. And this is the big problem with the SD function right now. So whether it's business development or sales development or inside sales, is they're, they're underappreciated. So I like to tell sales leaders, if you want to build a good SDR team, let's say you've got 100 SDRs, first thing you should do is sack about 33% of them. Okay, get rid of 33%, um, but keep the budget. And when what you do is, you know, so you might even want to sack, you know, up to 50%, but between 33 and 50%, get rid of those SDRs, then keep the budget and reinvest that budget back into the existing people, the people that you've kept in, in relation to training, tools, and resources. And that will enable you to provide them with the content that I've just talked, the types of things that I've just talked about. And I guarantee you that the, you know, the two thirds of the people left will be booking more meetings than what you had with the 100% of the people there. But we treat the SDR role as the trash can of sales. You know, we, we get people to come in and, you know, when they're very, very young and we go make phone calls, you know, to people who you don't know, who aren't expecting it and who haven't been tested. Every day we need to make 80 phone calls, you know, in some cases 120 phone calls a day. And if you're still with us in 12 months, we'll think about promoting you to AE. This is not how you build professionalism in your sales function. This is how you, this is how you burn kids out. This is how you ruin the sales and marketing function. You know, if you treat them with respect and with, and and with the yeah with the respect that they deserve, and give them a little bit of prestige inside the organisation, people are going to stay. You know, there's professional appointment setters that are really proud of what it is that they do, but there's no place for them in in the current sales. You know, where are they making two hundred thousand dollars a year? Where are they being put on the pedestal? And I think that's that's why the SD function is so ruined right now. That's, that's such an interesting way of looking at it because you're right. ST functions looked at as a junior thing. You're a, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a junior person in the company and it's really that stepping stone into becoming an AE. And you're saying that stop looking at it that way, stop, start compensating pro- properly and you would have really your, your, next, uh, your next move is to become a senior SDR who targets enterprise that becomes a career path on its own rather than having a thinking about your next role as an AE who's responsible for managing managing clients is that is that is that is that fair to say yeah absolutely i mean why can't we you know so the the world of work has changed a lot right but why can't we have SDRs that are making terrific money you know and are treated with prestige so there's a difference between those two just because you're paid well doesn't mean that you're treated well uh, if you, if you look at any of the surveys that are available on think places like LinkedIn you know those polls you see them all the time what's the hardest part of your sales role and everyone says you know finding new meetings like every business says that getting you know breaking ground is the hardest thing so why do we why is the first Thing that we do when someone's good at that role, or do we promote them out of it? It just doesn't make sense. 
So, so, you know, why can't we have SDRs that live in Noosa or, you know, down on the surf coast in Victoria that make great money and let's say they've got a, you know, target of 35 meetings a month and, you know, they can set them in four hours a day and go surfing, you know, and, and make, you know, I don't know, 150, 220 grand a year. Why can't they do that? We'd have people, we'd, we'd have really good people wanting to do that then. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. I would, I would sign up for that job. You got, you got any openings, uh? Mark, because yeah, uh, sure. I'm. <laughs> so our, the age of, average age of our SDR is probably forty. No way! Wow. Yep. yep. Compared to twenty-five in most organizations. Yep. Because we treat them with respect, we pay them with great money. They're, they're based all over Australia, and there's senior people that can hold a conversation. They book their meetings, they get paid their meeting bonus, and then they disappear because they've made their money, done done what they needed to. Love that. I love that. Okay. So, so they're not being they're not being rewarded or measured on on quantity. They're being rewarded and measured on the quality and and the actual outcomes. So it's in their benefit to make 20 to 27 calls, have six phone calls and book one or two meetings, right? It's not in their benefit benefit to make And is there a function that does the checking beforehand? So you know how you were talking about like cleaning the list, calling people, see who answers. So do you have a now a junior role? that kind of does that work? So Kevin, my CEO, so he looks after all the data. So that's his most important job. Manage it, manage the data, get the data right before you feed it to our people. But yes, but, but we, ha- we have, you know, sales ops teams that do, you know, that data processing. So making the phone calls. So Kevin does that in the first instance to test the data. Uh, he's in charge of dividing the data into small ICPs, and then I'm in. Res- I'm responsible for writing the outreach for each one of those ICPs. So if we took that, you know, outreach cadence that we spoke about before, you know, as the lead capture tool, we then divide that into ICPs, and then I'll write the outreach across what sort of channels and what sort, what sort of what that outreach looks like. So how many times across what t- time frame, depending on what I think the, uh, each ICP is going to need. And I know we started at this saying we were going to share some cadence. So let me just give you an example of what works. Let's really do well. it. Let's do it. I want to hear it. So if, if you're going to, it's ICP dependent, right? So, I'm, you know, don't plug and play this and think this is going to work for everybody. But in, in the lower, in the smaller businesses, you know, businesses are turning over less than 50 mil Australian. You know, you might, if they're on LinkedIn, you might want to go and have some sort of LinkedIn interaction with them three days before you start your cadence because the average connection acceptance is three and a half days. So doing LinkedIn interactions and then trying to start a cadence straight away is, is fundamentally flawed unless you're dealing with people who are on LinkedIn a lot, which is like sales leaders and, and recruiters. So you need to give yourself a little bit of a lead time straight away. So if they're not in that ICP, go into a bit of LinkedIn interaction three days before you start your cadence. And then you might want to do something like a phone call, leave a voicemail if it's, or send a text message. And we send a text message if it is an automated voicemail. You know, but if I can hear that it's your voice, I'll leave you a voice message and I'll point towards a, a, an email. So instead of asking for a call back on that voicemail, we just say something like, uh, hey, Mark, looks like I've, I've caught you and understand haven't caught you and it looks like you sorry understand you wouldn't pick up from a number that you don't know what i'm going to do is send you an email now that subject line might be big chickens and then pick i send up your e- phone yeah and then the, the first line that i put in the email is as per my voicemail or as per my text message so when that hits people's phone the preview text reinforces the the, the double reach out Love it. Right. And then, you know, we, we might make a phone call on the second or third day, uh, reply to that email. If, they're on, if they are on LinkedIn, we'll go back to that platform. You know, we send them another email two days after that. So typically our cadences only go for seven to nine days. 
Each touch will have two or three different channels. So, you know, phone call, text message, and an email, or maybe phone call, text message, and a reply email, or, or you know, something like that. So we try and make sure there's at least two or three across each channel. And we'd only go for nine days and might have five touches. And we find that we get answers on touch three, four, maybe five. So you just don't need to go any further than that. And, and this is and this is against what the outreach, you know, sorry, those um, engagement platforms promote because they want a long, complicated, drawn out cadence so that it seems too difficult for you to manage manually and therefore you'd need to buy their stuff. But I'm telling you, if you go beyond three pieces of outreach, like three phone calls, you know, and multiple touch, you, our, our response rates go down. So why would you want to do 17? How many people are responding on touch 17? Yeah. I've got yeah. less than less than 10% response rate on touch six. So why would I continue when, when the value, I can just put new leads in and get a 30% response rate. Like this, you're burning through your SDRs by asking them to do 17 touches, you know, with a response rate of less than 5% at that point. Mark, what about, what about other channels? Do you, you like leverage direct mail? Do you leverage any of that stuff? Uh, we, do, we do. So um, not to the extent that you guys do. You guys are the absolute gurus when it comes to that stuff. But we send, you know, things like Tim Tams, you know, in a, in a coffee cup. That works really well. Or And I love doing customized, customized cartoons. So I go and get somebody to create a cartoon, so an original cartoon. And I'll think about what the challenges are for that individual ICP. And then we create cartoons and we can, and the reason why I like these is because we can create them digitally and we can send them across multiple platforms such as email. You can, you can, you know, text message them to somebody. You can, you can connect with somebody on LinkedIn and send them the picture there. And you can also print it out, put it on a little bit of card and send it in the mail. So it's consistent across multiple channels. And if you get, so at the moment we're talking about businesses that have been in small business owners who have been in business for more than 12 years. And the cartoon says most business owners are now at a fork in the road, growth or exit, right? So, and we've got a little cartoon of a man at a fork in the road with a mountain and a finish line. You can picture it, right? It's really easy. And then we have a blank space and my team go into slides and they just customize the cartoon through name and company. So when that lands, most people go, oh, that's cool. We've got a little customized cartoon of me being in fork in the road. And then you can use fork in the road in your email headlines, your, your, your narrative on the phone, your voicemail. And people go, oh, yeah, I saw that. Right. And you might pay $150, $200 to a, a, you know, a freelance guy to draw up a, a little single line cartoon. And then you can use it across campaign. So we do use direct mail, but in that format. Love it. It's like, it's, it's low cost, but very effective and very personalized. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're, they're the sorts of things that we do that, that, you know, they require a little bit more, more work, but it lifts those response rates to such a high level that it makes it silly not to do it. Yeah. It makes sense. I want that, that was, by the way, that was an amazing piece of advice and, uh, and, and takeaway. Before we talk about rapid fire questions, is there anything else that you reckon we didn't touch on when it comes to building sequences, things to keep in mind from marketing perspective, from the SDR perspective, from sales perspective, anything that you think we, we, we should touch on before we, we jump into rapid fire stuff? Okay, so the, the, the two things really are, well, there's three, quantity over quality over quantity. Okay, the ICP, you know, divide it super narrow. Right. And if you, most people think, you know, a list of 150 people is not enough. And that's because they're doing too much outreach at once. 150 people is a, is a, you know, a week's worth of work. If you're giving people 20 leads at a time, because they're going to be really deliberate about their outreach. Right. So divide your ICPs, get your list and cut them right down and then build individual outreach for each one of those. 
And the piece that goes over the top of that is, you know, then the database management, you know, check the, check the contact data several times, test it, validate all the emails, validate all the phone numbers before you take, you even give that to the SDRs. And then that way you don't have to manage on quantity. You can, own, you can manage on quality. What's the quality of the conversation? How long did you stay in the phone call for? You know, what did you reply to on the email? How did you interact with them on LinkedIn? You know, so you can have those types of conversations when you're not managing such large numbers. Love it. I love it. Thanks. Th- thanks for that. And that, that, was, no, that was a great summary. Xgrowth has helped B2B tech companies design campaigns that open doors in their strategic target accounts, roll out targeted ABM programs, scale ABM programs, and select the right tool and tech stack for a successful ABM initiative. These are all things Xgrowth has helped their clients with. If you're interested to learn how Xgrowth can help your firm's ABM program, check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. Okay, I've asked this before, but I'm going to go back to these rapid fire questions and I want to see if things have changed. All right. So the first question I want to ask is, and you've already dropped some, some, some insights on this already, but what is one resource, could be a book, a podcast, a blog, whatever it is, that has had a profound impact on the way you work or live? I'm going to add a caveat there in the last 12 months. So the we, podcast- can, we can double it to 24 months if that, if that makes it easier. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, ask this because because I know again I know you've you've uh, we, we we've gone through some of these questions before. Yeah. Okay. So I think um, I think probably the thirty minutes to Presidents Club podcast is probably the the biggest piece of content that I've enjoyed in the last twelve months. Thirty minutes to Presidents Club. It's Nick Seleski. No, I've said that wrong. And Aman Farok. They're the two podcast hosts. They're young young guns. Um, and they get a lot of really good talent on there to talk about how they do their outreach. So I think that's probably the most valuable piece of resource of the last 12 months. I'm going to check that out for sure. I'm going to check that out. Okay. If you could, if you could give one advice to B2B SDRs, what would it be? Slow down to speed up. Slow down your outreach. Slow down the process to speed up the results. Stop trying to ch- you know, get quickly to the end result of a meeting. Instead, go through the process deliberately. Give people the opportunity to you know, look at what it is that you're offering before you have try and book the meeting, and you'll actually get faster meetings. Love it. Love it. Who are some of the newest, uh, new influencers that are on your radar and you're looking at what they're doing? Yeah, well, I think so. I think this is really important for in the func- in the sales development space, right? So, sales has a propensity to go and look for the old guys, right? Guys like me or even older that have been in sales all their life and come with the strategy and, you know, authors. Sales development, it's not about how long you've been able to do it. It's like what's working now. So it's very much about recency rather than experience. So as a result, the young guns that you should follow really have got a lot of the answers. So of course, there's Amanda, Nick that I spoke about already. Morgan J. Ingram has been around for a little while. He's a, he's a good guy. Jed Marl is another. You know, so that's M-A-R-H-L-E, I think, Jed Marl. So these are young guys that are running, you know, um, sales development teams in SaaS businesses. And, and they're, you know, trying things and breaking them. I love it. I love it. That's, uh, that's great stuff. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. What's something that excites you about B2B today? Uh, the fact that we're moving away from quantity and into quality. And that means that we've got to be much more creative, which I think, you know, makes sales fun. Right? So, you know, if you, it's actually fun to try and come up with some cool, cool outreach ideas, come up, you know, and get people on the phone and see if it sticks. 
And I, and I think that's what's missing. You know, we've become a little bit robotic. But I'm really excited about the level of creativity that we're going to need to put in to get results. I hear you. I hear you. And, and you're right. It does make it a lot more fun versus, oh, shit, I got to go through, you know, 500 contacts right now. And I'm just this machine that's just smile and dial, baby. Just smile and dial. Just keep going through the motions versus, hey, I'm going to customize this and I'm going to like do. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. It makes it a lot more pleasurable. And, uh, and, and that's, that's such a good point that you bring up. Yeah. So, and, and, and as crazy as this will sound, that even goes to your cold calls, right? So if you're making cold calls with a genuine sense of curiosity about what's going to resonate and what's not, then you stop trying to book the meeting and you start saying, hey, Mark, is this of any interest to you just out of the or am I way off? Because I'm trying to figure this out. And guess what? That changes the conversation 100%. You know, so people start saying, oh, you're close. Why are you ringing me up anyway? And you're, then you're in the conversation. I love it. Mark, this has been, as always, an awesome conversation. Just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast again. And I always learn tons when uh, when we have a chat. So uh, thank you so much for your time. And, and thanks again for, uh, for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on, Shaheen. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.